Hi there, you're listening to the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. I'm your host, Alana Terry, and this season of the Unabridged Podcast is the Terror in the Sky series. This is an unforgettable, fast-paced collection of six novellas that tell you the story of what happens when multiple strangers board a doomed flight. I hope that you enjoy this episode of the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. Chapter 26 Justine couldn't believe it was finally over. The captain announced they were just minutes away from Detroit. The first thing Justine did when they landed would be to cancel her return flight and rent a car to drive back home. There were a dozen emotions she should be experiencing. Relief that the danger was past, fear for what her son witnessed, guilt that she had survived while several others on the flight hadn't been so lucky. Curiosity and confusion. Why hadn't the gun gone off? Was it the old lady's prayers? Steve would tell her it was some sort of miracle, that God had saved her and West both. As glad as she was to be alive, if it really had been God's hand saving them, why hadn't he protected all the other passengers just the same? Justine's body was trembling, but she wasn't cold. It wasn't until West reached up to touch her face that she realized she'd been clenching her jaw. Mommy? he asked. Justine's heart nearly broke in two at the sound of her son's sweet and innocent voice. Yeah, baby? West started to turn around in his seat. Justine held him so he couldn't look behind and see the signs of violence in the aisles. Mommy, he repeated, squirming in her grip. Justine didn't let go. What is it? What's that smell? West asked. This time Justine did turn and saw a billow of smoke filling the back of the cabin. An alarm started to blare, deafening her ears. Please, God, no, Justine begged, as the passenger behind her shouted in a shrill panic, Fire! Chapter 27 Your leg was cut. To this day, I don't even know how it happened. I'm so sorry about that, Justine. We had to go to the hospital. I tried to come up with a story. You were standing on a chair. You wanted to chop veggies like you'd seen Mommy doing. You tripped. You fell. The doctors didn't believe me. I started shaking uncontrollably when they brought the policeman in. At first, he thought he was questioning me in a case of suspected child abuse. He had no idea I had just ended your father's life but the truth came out. I suppose it always will. At least, that's what the Bible says. Still, I like to indulge myself in daydreams from time to time. Think about that nice lady in Toronto who might have hired me as a nanny. Think about her imaginary little girl who would have become your best friend. It's not what actually happened, but I've dreamed out the details so vividly I can tell you the scent of the family's laundry detergent— Feel the matted hair of their beloved little puppy, a mutt who's just as endearing as ugly. I'm sorry, that's not the life I could have given you. 
I'm sorry I couldn't tell you my story sooner. I'm just glad that soon you'll be here, that I'll be able to explain to you what really happened, apologize to you for all the mistakes I made. I can't believe I'm about to look at you face to face. I just pray God gives me a few more days, that my body holds out a little bit longer. I need you, Justine. I need to tell you the truth, that I didn't murder your father, that I never would have deliberately lifted a hand against you if my life depended on it, that I loved you so much I would have done anything, yes, even kill, to keep you safe. Chapter 28 She had to get her son away from the smoke, but where could they go? The Detroit skyline was in view, but all Justine could see was a jumble of chaos as men and women scrambled out of their seats in an attempt to get toward the front of the cabin. The screams of the passengers melted together with the shrill screech of the siren. Justine held her son close. Don't leave me, she shouted into West's ear. But even then, she wasn't sure he heard her. They were so close. How could so many things go wrong on a single flight? It didn't make sense. General's last words reverberated in her mind, as well as his horrible laugh. You're all gonna die, he said. Was he the one who planned this? But how could he have set the entire plane on fire when he was tied up in the back of the cabin? The question of how the fire started didn't matter. The only thing that mattered was whether or not Justine could save her child. How long until the plane would land, and would Justine survive that long to keep West safe? Terror and chaos swarmed around the cabin as passengers shoved one another in their scramble to get out of their seats. Justine gripped her son's arm even more tightly. She was about to lift him up in her arms when she remembered that you were supposed to get low when there was smoke. But how could they get low without being trampled to their deaths? West, be careful, Justine shouted as someone plowed into her from behind. She lost her balance, tripped. Her breath was stolen away as someone stepped on her back. She couldn't breathe. Where was her son? West! She reached out her arm, flinging wildly. Someone lifted her up to her feet. The smoke was so thick she couldn't even see the face of her savior. She shot her arms out, blinded by the smoke, terrorized by the fear. She couldn't even see which way was the front of the cabin anymore. She could only assume that if she followed the swarm of panicked bodies, she'd be heading away from the worst of the smoke. Not that she had any choice. Everybody pressed up against her. Even now that she was on her feet, the density of the crowds stole her breath away. Or maybe that was all the smoke. But where was her son? West! Justine tried to yell, but a coughing fit racked her entire body. What if he'd fallen? What if he'd gotten himself trampled in the swarm of bodies? West! Somebody grabbed her arm. Justine couldn't see a thing, but the person was leading her away from the throng toward the thickest of the smoke. Justine tried to fight them off. She needed to find her son. 
but she was so weak. West! She heard a faint cry and dropped to her knees. Tiny arms reached for her and flung around her neck. He was on the floor, crouching beneath a set of seats. Good boy. She felt his body trying to assure herself he was safe. And in that moment, she understood. In the fire, in the chaos, in the terror she'd experienced on this flight, Justine had only one concern, to protect her son, to make sure that no matter what happened to her, West landed in Detroit alive. She would have done anything. If General had come at them with the gun, she would have plucked his eyes out with her bare hands if it meant saving her child. She wrapped her arms around him, her lungs filled with too much smoke to form the sobs that promised sweet release. We're going to be okay, she told him, begging heaven to hear her prayers. We're going to be okay. Chapter 29 Carrie stepped into her patient's room. Did you press your call light, Alice? she asked, making her way toward the woman's bedside. Alice's oxygen cannula was a little crooked, and Carrie instinctively reached out to straighten it up. As she did, Alice reached up and took Carrie's hand, pointing at the TV screen in the room. What's going on? the old woman asked in a rattly voice. Carrie frowned. She and her colleagues had been watching the news at the nurse's station as it unfolded. A plane hijacking, she answered, reaching for the remote. Her patient didn't have much time left. From what Carrie suspected, Alice's body should have given up days earlier. The only thing keeping her alive was the hope of seeing her daughter. It was a tragic story, one the nurses all felt keenly. Alice had been incarcerated for the past thirty years, serving a life sentence for murdering her husband. Carrie had gone online to look up the details of the case. Apparently, the murder had been one of Detroit's greatest scandals of its day, and with good reason. Alice had taken out multiple life policies on her husband, then killed him before trying to flee the country with their child. Alice was a murderer, a felon, and a child kidnapper, and now she was trying to reconnect with the daughter she'd injured in her husband's fatal attack. Justine's coming from Boston to visit me, Alice announced each and every time Carrie came into the room. Carrie just hoped that her daughter knew what she was getting into. It was common knowledge on the hospital floor that Alice would say anything to get people to give her what she wanted. Alice continued to stare at the screen even after Carrie had turned off the news. A flight attendant and two passengers had been killed. It wasn't the kind of story an old woman on palliative care needed to worry about. Was that the flight from Boston? Alice asked, her voice weak. Carrie's stomach dropped toward the floor. Boston? It couldn't be the same flight Alice's daughter was on, could it? I don't think so, Carrie replied, but her uncertainty must have been obvious. Turn it back on, her patient demanded. I need to see this. Alice, Carrie began, her voice softening. I'm not sure it's such a good idea to turn it on, Alice snapped. Carrie obeyed. 
in spite of her patient's weakness. She thought she detected a hint of the same rage that so long ago had led the woman to cold-blooded murder. Now the news was even worse. A fire on the plane. The video footage panned over a tarmac studded with ambulances and fire trucks. See there, Alice announced, pointing at the screen. Flight 219, from Boston. That's the plane my daughter's on. Carrie patted the old woman's shoulder. There was no way that Alice could be certain of the exact flight number, could she? I'm sure it's something else, Carrie began, then let her voice trail off. The plane was about to land. Fire and smoke billowed from its back half. Carrie wasn't even sure how many passengers the medical crews on standby would find alive once it touched down. I don't think we should watch this anymore, she said, her voice low. Alice didn't respond. Chapter 30 Justine's body had remained strong and vigilant. She knew that if they survived their landing, the passengers would be even more in a frenzy to get off the plane. She vowed to shield West with her body, even if the crowds ended up trampling her to death. Anything to save her son. The landing was awful. At one point, the plane tilted and threw Justine's head against the chair in front of her. Still, she held as steady as she could, promising herself and her son and God that she would protect West to her dying breath. And then they were on the ground. EMTs and emergency personnel flocked in. Take my son, Justine shouted at the first worker she saw. For the first time since the terror began, she allowed herself to willingly be separated from West. Her lungs were stained with smoke. She couldn't move a single muscle. The only thing that mattered was West was safe. Eventually, someone else came and escorted her off the plane. She was so weak she almost had to be carried, and her legs gave out the moment they reached the steady asphalt. Justine scoured the crowds for her son. Then she saw him stretched on a gurney being attended to by two paramedics. One of them leaned over and laughed at something West said. Justine let out her choppy breath. She had done it. She had saved her son. Maybe her husband was right. Maybe God really had been protecting the two of them after all. Everything was going to be all right. Thanks for listening to the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. This has been the Terror in the Sky series written by me, Alana Terry, and narrated by Becky Dowdy. If you want to listen to or read this entire series without interruptions, you can look for the Terror in the Sky series by Alana Terry wherever you shop for ebooks, paperbacks, or audiobooks.